Yourself, everybody. I'm your host, Allison Pillow, and you can find me at allisonpillow.com and finally thrivingbook.com. Today, I have a very special guest, Nico. Nico is a friend of mine who I met almost a year ago uh, through my husband, Liam. He was at a men's retreat about a year ago almost, and he met Mike Salimi. It was Mike Salimi's retreat. I've had him. I've had Mike on the show before, and he talked about that same retreat. And my husband met some amazing people. He made some great connections, and Nico was one of those people. And Nico ended up coming through Portland last fall with Anna, his partner. And they stayed with us for about a week. And um, Nico is a very unique person in his experience and life, what he's uh, the jobs he's had and, and where has it has brought him to today and what he's doing now and how he's helping people. They now live in Mexico. They were writing, they were traveling the United States for about six months and they're getting ready to go back to Mexico. So they live in a beautiful place out there and they live a very different life than most people. And that's one reason I wanted to have Nico on the show to talk about it and all the things that he's learned as well throughout his journey of self-exploration. I also got a chance to um, hang out with Nico again and Anna when uh, I went to Roseanne Grace's uh, experience, her um, Ascension experience, uh, back in July. And that was amazing too. And it was really great to connect again with Nico and Anna then, then as well. So today, uh, you know, Nico and I talk about we expand on our conversation that we had when he stayed with us and, you know, because we got pretty deep, we got pretty deep in the spiritual and it all came back to the message. All your answers are coming from within. They all come from within. And this is something that I've really been thinking or really experiencing rather so much lately is about how we manifest, how we see our external manifestations directly linked to what we're feeling inside. And I've been really paying attention to that so much lately that I'm starting to see it happen in real time. And so that's why I think it's even more important that we all begin becoming aware and reflecting on that for ourselves, because then you can become a conscious creator of your reality instead of just being pulled in all kinds of directions with no intention, no purpose. This is how we become conscious creators, is we begin reflecting and really questioning what we're doing in our life and if we want to be doing it. And if it calls to our soul, if it calls to our heart to be doing these things. And these are things we touch upon today, as well as we talk about uh, the masters of the Far East. There's a book that uh, Nico mentions in the podcast that I've been reading most recently that's really inspired me to start writing again. And uh, it's called The Lives of the Masters of the Far East. It's by Baird L. Or sorry, by Baird T. Spaulding. And it's amazing because what the masters, I believe, were showing us was that the guru is within all of us. 
And we look at them and we think, wow, that's a an amazing thing they're doing. It's supernatural, but really it's something that we are all going to be able to access as we change our perception of what we think our reality is. I truly believe this and I see it happening already. So it just starts with you changing your own perception. That's where it all begins. And that's much of what we talk about in so much more today. We really get into all the masters and and the uh, yogis and the gurus and how they've, you know, the message that they're really bringing to us at all. Um, and everybody is capable of this, which is great news. So today's episode is really special. And uh, Nico didn't really have too much to promote. He is um, on Instagram and I'm going to include those links in the show notes as well as he does one-on-one coaching. So if you want to set up a call with him, you can do that too. With that, I want to share that one of my coaches, Hannah Beer, who's been my coach for almost four years now, has taught me about having a new relationship with money And that has really changed my life from a spiritual perspective. Did you know that you can have a, having a new relationship to money can actually change you spiritually. It could be a spiritual experience. Uh, Discover the new and radical approach to your relationship with money. Um, My money mentor, Hannah, has helped me double my income within two weeks of working together and completely shifted how I work into a much lighter, more effective, and profitable space and help me grow my savings into hundreds of thousands of dollars. This is a true story. She has helped me see this in a whole new light because many times we bring our old stories into our money relationship, just like we bring all those old stories into relationships with our partners, into relationships with all the people that are around us, our friends, our family. We do this with our money stories too. We have money stories that we learned when we were younger and we bring into adulthood. So by just becoming aware of some of these self-sabotaging stories and letting those go and rewriting your story in a way, you can create a whole new relationship with money. And that can just pretty much bring anything your way. Like I was talking earlier about everything that happens within gets created externally. This is how you work with your money relationship as you go from within first with that. And then you see the external changes happening. And that's what I've been working with, with Hannah for many years now. And it's, it's helped me big time. It's, it's a game changer. So um, her signature program, Money Bliss is enrolling now. So reach out to Hannah through hannahbeer.com slash invite, and I'll include the link in the show notes and discover the powerful results that money bliss, that the money bliss method can create in your life too. So without further ado, it is my honor and my pleasure to introduce you to Nico, my good friend, Nico. Enjoy. Today, I'm here with a very special friend. Nico is here, and he. It, we're going to talk about some really amazing things. Uh, I had the pleasure and the honor of having Nico and Anna, who is his partner over. Uh, they stayed with us for about a week or more, and we got to spend so much great time. This is the first time I met you guys, and I um, felt like I had known you forever. 
And so it was just so, so such a delight to have you guys at our house and to go hiking with you and, and share meals and all that. So I'm so excited to have you on the show because we had some really great conversations during that small span of time. And I wanted to get you on the podcast so that we could expand on some of those conversations and share it with my audience as well. So welcome Nico to the show. I'm so excited that you're here and please start by just sharing with everybody more about you and um, how you came to be, you can share like where you're at and you have such a great story about how you came to be living in Mexico. um, And now you guys are traveling across the United States. And so um yeah please please start there okay well thanks uh <laughs> thanks for having me i'm sure we'll touch on the story of uh when you first met me inside your house because i was already in there but yeah, um, that's right <laughs> and what we bonded over yeah but um as far as me i'm i'm a guy I'm traveling exploring adventuring experiencing life um i've had a lot of stories, just like everyone else. I grew up in Chicago, spent the majority of my life there until actually COVID started. That was the first time I started traveling. I'd left Chicago. I had the opportunity to leave the company I was working for. I had also uh, owned and operated a CrossFit gym with a few business partners for about five years simultaneously. So I was able to um, move on from that. And there was a, there's a lot of stories within all of that, but um, it just led me on this journey. I, I was unhappy at the cheese company, although it was very great. And I loved the people. And, um, and same with the gym. You know, the gym was what I loved. and It was my heart, my fire. And it was just having this moment one time of like, oh, shit, like, I'm not in love with this anymore. And instead of, you know trying to get everyone to come my way, realizing they're happy where they're at. And so me going forward on my journey and um, a practice of trusting and faith. And I went to Mexico a year and a half ago, about now with a, with a buddy. And um, I had just left another job I was working for, more of a dream job, traveling and working remotely with friends. And, and it was just time to take a break. That was what I was getting from my body, from I couldn't, I couldn't get way, away from the thoughts, this idea. Um, and the clear answer for me was to rest. So I went to Mexico. Uh, I met my, met my partner there at the time, or now she's my partner, but we met down there. And um, we shared a lot of the same vision. I have a dream and a vision of my life, and I'm open to shifting that and changing that as life goes on. But I have a direction I'm moving towards. And uh, she shared that alignment, shared the vision. So we are cultivating a dream and a life together and as well as our own individuations, but what we are sharing together. So um, we spend about six months down there, give or take, usually a little less. And for me growing up in Chicago and having the seasons, it's nicer. The weather's the same every day, at least when in the dry season, when it's not like right now it's raining from like May till September, it rains. The rest of the time, it does not rain. It's the same every day. Same highs, same lows, barely clouds. Like, And it's great. But after a while, my body enjoys the change, enjoys the mountains that are close and the cool air. And, um, and yeah, so we come back to the States in between. And 
the intention is to travel and to share and to give workshops and experiences uh, with Tantra, with relationship and some of our own individual offerings to others. And uh, so far it's turned out, there's been a little of that, but so far it's just been spending a lot of times growing new relationships, connections like the one we had where we're sitting there, it's raining in Portland. You're like, what do you guys want to do today? I'm like, sit here and have, have tobacco bags and explore our minds, explore exactly. all these ideas and hours go by. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a bit of who I am and where I'm at right now. And yeah, we were just with you about a week and a half ago, um, just left Oregon. Oregon was very good to us. And now uh, we're going to be spending some time in California. Nice. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I experienced too. We just were, we didn't, we were just learning how to be or not even learning, just being. And and you talk about that a lot, actually, in, in some of your social media and, and um, I think with your work and, and with your men's work as well. And I'll also add that uh, the whole reason you and I got connected was uh, my husband went to a men's retreat with Mike Salimi and um and uh, you were there also as a facilitator, and that's how he got connected with you, I think, last year sometime. And then there was another retreat recently in Mount Shasta. And uh, so after that retreat, I believe you guys came up to where we live in Oregon. And um, that's how we, how you and I met, because Liam was like, come on up and stay. And so, yeah. And, and what I loved about the visit was that we did just sit there and there was no expectations. Uh, we sat there and did bags together and talked <laughs> about deep stuff. And it was like time just wasn't even a thing. You know, it just I kind of tr- lost track of time that week, really. And so it felt like um, just a, an amazing time and amazing experience because um it just from, you know, cause we get into these schedules where we're going, going, going all the time and we're doing a lot. And then we identify ourselves with the things that we're doing, but like you say, we forget how to be. And so it's a great reminder that really there's nothing you have to do. You can just be yourself and, and experience that. Right. Right. And, and from there it's rather than say it's, um, you know, the doing is coming in my, my perspective, my belief is the doing is coming from the being because I am that my body, my thoughts, my actions are reflective. So the things I do in life are reflective of who I am being rather than trying to do stuff to become something. Right. You know, like I have a friend that has this very successful company, millions and millions of dollars of revenue. And we used to laugh when he wanted to have millions of dollars when we were young. You know, we didn't come from that place. We didn't come from money. And it was to see that like he embodied a millionaire. He acted it. He felt it. All of us would be like, well, what are you doing? Like, how are you doing that? That doesn't know, you know, but he did. And then after the money arrived, you know, and so um, just for me, that's part of the practice in life. And um, it's even, we, we watched the Yogananda documentary, right? Uh, yeah. Cause he, he's influenced me a lot in, in subtle ways where I didn't even realize I was resistant to him, resistant to yoga, just having all these synchronicities around it. 
still at the time believing yoga was what we think in America yoga is. Um, knowing Paul Checks, one of my like great teachers, and you know, knowing we share that in common. And when I went to my first first workshop with Paul, um, which I think I have my painting around here, um, going in his office after and then seeing the pictures of Yogananda and his guru and realize, remembering Paul was raised in the Self-Realization Fellowship for a few years because his mother was a part of it. And just, I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Just signs upon signs. But he, he talks about it too. I read a quote just the other day. And it's somewhere along the lines of if you can hold the thought, if you can focus so intently on something like a like a uh, an identity, an I am statement, a way of being, then the body and the actions will abide by that. They'll obey that. They'll follow that rather than in reverse. Yes. You know, yeah. so and truly, truly believing that, the, you know, how how wild interesting you want to explore all the ideas with your mind is like is this a simulation i mean that kind of in in a way aligns with the idea that it's just the manifestation of shiva's third eye you know it's just a big hologram projection and everything outside is just reflecting the inside and taoist is talking the taoist system's talking about that the tantric system's talking about that you can even say the babylonian christian system's talking about that that the astrology is talking about that the everything is within, you know, and the answer of going inside, understanding that, you know, this belief that everything in my reality, whether I, you know, when I interact with other people and stuff, we're sharing karma, we're sharing connections or contracts or lessons from each other, but that I create, I'm the creator of everything in my reality, which comes with full responsibility of everything. Not whether I like it or not, not whether I'm happy or sad, but whether I'm content with what is, if I accept with what is. And from there, I can start to realize, I can begin to see the beauty, the abundance, the prosperity, the love, everything that's there all the time, and to appreciate it, and really to appreciate it, to be, you know, in, we could say gratitude, but appreciation being the now, right now, what are you, what's the act? The act is gratitude is the state. The act is appreciation. What am I doing? I'm appreciating. Right. Yeah, that's an what act am I, of doing, I'm being, right? Yeah, I'm being grateful. And yeah. how do you be grateful? Well, one of the actions of being grateful is, is appreciation. Absolutely. And that's what I, what I think people miss a lot of times is they don't integrate that aspect of it. The whole being the embodying aspect of appreciation from what I've seen. Yeah. It's a practice, right? It's, it's, I believe everything's a practice rather than it's work. And that's just for me, what subconsciously work means to me, you know, I understand doing the work is a very common thing. It's a phrase, right? And it's well-intended, I believe, but it it gets into how deeply you believe the system and the reality and how powerful words are. And um, sorry, I lost my train. Would you? What we oh, were that's just okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, yeah, we 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 know these concepts. We've heard them before, 
And it's really funny because after I watched the Yogananda uh, documentary with you, Awake, and I had that book for years and I'd forgotten about it. And then again, like you're saying, like, I remember uh, hearing uh, Paul grew up in that environment too. And there's all these synchronicities around it. And uh, I talked to some people about, I was like, oh, surely like this has been out forever. Surely people know about Yogananda, especially people in the yoga community. And I was bringing it up and they were like, no, I've never heard of it. I'm like, (laughs) he brought yoga to the United States. How do you not hear about him? But it it was a different kind of yoga. Like you said, that people aren't uh, used to that here. The way we think of yoga is more like in the fitness industry or a way of exercising our body, but what he brought to the table was more um, like you're talking about in how to focus your mind into really getting rid of the the chatter, the mind chatter and all the distractions and focusing really on uh, what you really want to create. And that takes courage. And that, like you said, takes responsibility to follow through on. And I find it even harder now because I think he was doing all of this, what, in the 30s, 20s and 30s. And, um, you know, of course, we didn't have as many distractions back then, but now even more so than ever. So it's even more of an exercise for the mind to learn how to do this. And like, I I love that we're talking about the embodiment aspect of it, because, um, you know, when I wrote the, the book, Finally Thriving, that's what I wanted to bring into the wellness uh, the, the wellness, um, industry, or, you know, just because we, it's all about really a lot of doing and, you know, taking the action to become this, uh, but a lot of, a lot is missed because they're, they're not really talking about embodying like the aspect of embodying that energy. And, and I love the example that you're, that you used of your friend who wanted to be a millionaire and he started acting like a millionaire. And, and so they go kind of go hand in hand, but I think that pe- more people put more weight on the doing aspect and kind of, you know, willing themselves to get through instead of really providing the space and the time to reflect on what's happening and how they want to feel and how they want their life to look and, and all of that. Right. And having uh, your life looks the way you think and feel. Yeah. <laughs> so we should maybe practice thinking and feeling in a manner that's aligned with our dream, with our imagination, with our, you know, that that's a big, that's a big piece of the puzzle just on its own is that almost everyone's imagination, unless they're practicing it is, is just completely diminished. It's been shut off right? They're taking yeah. in this input. They don't have the, the ability to play with action figures and make up a story like a five-year-old does and just make up crazy things and give it new rules. And it's like, you know, their ability to perceive what's possible for their life, like bringing in this Yogananda idea um, before I would have been completely rejected it, turned off to it. Um, you know, his, his yoga, the real yoga is, is about body, mind, and spirit, right? As we're talking about doing, we're just talking a lot about the physical reality. And it's not, a, it's not necessarily for me about all, you know, it, being is an aspect. It's an aspect that needs to be practiced as well as the doing. But I believe one is the do, a greater domino for the other. And that they're balanced. There's an equal ma- amount of balance of being and doing, right? We can't just yeah. be... I mean, maybe it is possible. Maybe someone can 
attain that level of power where they, by being it, simply materializes around them. They, like they, when I read Yogananda, there's talks of miracles in there, right? Well, we would refer to as miracles, things like Jesus would do. You know, it, if I would have read that two years ago, it would have been like bull fucking shit. <laughs> and now I'm like, hmm, okay, maybe, you know, maybe. Right. And I, I, to me, part of the practice, part of the game is the ability to hold multiple perspectives, multiple ideas without making a judgment upon them, you know, and over time, as I'm experiencing them and taking in more data, I can lean towards one or another, but I don't have to be completely firmly fixed, you know, and there are lines in the sand I'll draw, but at the same time, it's a practice of being flexible. And I train people for 10 years. And the way I taught a squat in year one versus what I taught in year 10, was I wrong or stupid in year one? Or do I just know more now? Right. And so it's like my, that's an ability, that's a practice, a frame of language, a way of being that allows you to open to new ideas, to try new things, to have new experiences and to, you know, to, to continue to refine and define what your reality is. Because what if, you know, I said this the other day talking about uh, like Tartaria and flat earth. It's mm-hmm. some crazy stuff. Two years ago, laughed at it. A year ago, I'm like, ah, still six months ago. Okay, let's see what it is. Interesting. Now, does it matter necessarily for me if the earth's flat or round? I mean, does it actually affect my decisions each day in my life? Oh, not really. <laughs> like, what do I, what do I make in my life based on that? The laws of of driving my car are going to stay the same, whether the earth's round or flat. Like that's just my theory on it. But what it does enable is the potential that, huh, if this has been misconstrued, if this has been misled and this has been misguided, and we see this theme over and over and over again, right? Mm -hmm. In the news in the media and the narratives in the culture. Well, huh. If that's been misguided, then maybe like, that's the biggest thing. That's such a fundamental thing we're taught. And, you know, for years, couldn't even be argued, couldn't even be discussed because you're ostracized. Right. Right. And so it's like, well, what if then what a lot of these masters are teaching, you know, these ancient masters, these stories are accurate. What if they did attain these abilities, right. Through, uh, one of your friends, a teacher of mine, someone I've worked with, Roseanne Grace, she recommended the books. Oh, it's right here. The Life and Teaching of the Masters of the Far East. I think it's five or six volumes. It was published in like 1920. And these guys go on an expedition in the Far East in 1894 to study these great gurus, these masters in the Himalayas. Half of them never came back because they vowed to stay their entire life till they could perform the same acts. Wow. They, they, they went to scientifically disprove this in the 18, early 1900s, right? They didn't. They became believers. <laughs> so what, what does that say? Like, what is that kind of thing? What, what does that open up as possibilities, right? And there's so much, it, it can get uncomfortable, right? We've talked about doing the work. Well, I view it as practice that, you know, it's never finished, right? If you, if you're polished yourself, then you're just going to practice and help with the collective and others, right? It's, it's, um, it's not done in this life. There's not an endedness 
right? And that's um, that's what work means to me. Work work subconsciously is about getting off work, working till I can retire one day. You know, it's uh, typically something that I'm not doing because when I owned the gym and I ran the gym, it wasn't. I didn't tell people I'm working, I'm coaching, or I'm cleaning the floors, or I'm going to do some numbers or do something. You know, organize the gym. But I didn't say I'm like I got to work, right? Like when I worked at a, when I was 17 and I worked at my uncle's like dump truck where he you know excavated dirt and dump truck warehouse for the for where they stored the trucks and helped the mechanic. Like that was going to work, right? So when it comes to this personal development, to me it should be practiced like a master, a skill practiced over lifetime or many lifetimes, and. Um, yeah, through through Roseanne, she ref, referenced that to me, and I bought them in six months, didn't touch them, and then, you know, put one in the car as we left Mexico, and uh, random podcast we're listening to references it again. It's like, okay, that's the sign. It's time to, you know, and same. It's it's miracle upon miracle upon what we don't. We're just between society and all of this stuff. We're compounded with all of culture's beliefs, mm-hmm. right? And these subtle narratives the most subtle narratives of victim like you know there's victim narrative in in the most subtle ways in so many things right there's a lack of worthiness or our value being tied to our production to what we do to what we to what we do right you're not worthy of millions of dollars here and now because you're god's child you're not worthy of this because you know well maybe you are maybe you know and and when a new belief is instilled, when a new way of being, there's feedback from the external and it's going to challenge you. It's going to put that in your face and test you. You really believe this? You know, you trust yourself. Here's something to practice trusting yourself, you know, and giving you that, that choice, you know, and that's to me when, when we've, when we've kind of graduated from a lesson, we started to integrate these things they come back in different layers and subtle ways. But, you know, for me, I, when I left, I left the cheese company because COVID stopped, but I wanted to leave for years, but I didn't have the guts. I didn't have the courage. I didn't know what I was going to do, how I would survive, et cetera. All those fears. And COVID gave me the exit. Just like, can't get cheese from Italy right now. Like COVID hit Italy first. So we went, or I went, um, end up, so I'm kind of like the job left me, right? It freed right. me, but I didn't choose myself. I didn't choose what my heart wanted. I didn't make that stand for myself. So six months later, nine months later, I find myself working with my friends, my brothers, the people I love, like my crew, my fan, my soul family. And I'm getting paid well for me. I'm happy with all of it. And I'm just a wreck like through it and just having this clear call, like this isn't for me, this isn't, uh, you know, I, I can do this and I can do a lot of things. I can do whatever I put my mind to, right. I, be- I have that belief. I can put what I can achieve what I put my will and my mind towards. And so I, um, you know, it was, it just was there very clearly. And I decided to leave, you know, and I had to tell him it was at one of our men's retreats one of the men's retreats I co-facilitated and like, we said this one, we used uh, some medicines and we sat with combo. Mike's let me had served combo. And 
Like it just opened all the things I was trying to bury, all the stories I was trying to tell me of what I was clear in my heart. You know, I believe when people really get into their heart, they feel their heart, they hear their heart. That's a practice, right? They can have experiences that pull them in and it's so clear. And then life kind of disrupts that, throws in the contrast, throws in all the other noise and tests you how much do you want to listen to your heart. But I believe once you hear your heart, it gets louder and ignoring it becomes more painful. Yes. And, um, and so I saw it as a lesson that it was time, you know, like, you know, this still wasn't fully aligned with who I am, what I wanted. I wanted to rest. I wanted, you know, to explore something different in life. And, um, and I was there for money. I realized at one point I wasn't aligned with, um, the mission anymore, you know? I wanted to do a different mission. I wanted more about spiritual work, emotional work, energetic work. Um, this was still more focusing on people in the physical, right? People that are very focused in the physical. So, and it was just like my gym, you know, like trying like, oh, this is cool over here. Like everyone should come try this, you know? No, like they're happy where they're at. I was just happy there months ago doing wads with them. Like that's me. It's time to go. Same with this with this company, it's time, you know, rather than, I think, I think we can make a bigger impact in the world. I'd like to do this and trying to convince them and shift them my way. It's like, no, I'm going to go my way. And for me, that was a choice of choosing myself, right? That was the same lesson served to me again, because I didn't complete it with the cheese company. So it gave me basically the same situation. Like here's a super comfortable situation. It's, you know, minimal hours, great pay people you love, it was the same situation symbolically to me. And so it said, here you go again. Are you going to do it? Are you going to pick yourself this time? Right. Yeah. And it's like, to me, that's how the lessons will often be served. Like if we, if we choose, if we don't choose, it'll come back in another way. Right. If yeah. we, we allow it to choose for us, like that's not the sovereignty. That's not the, the power or the empowerment, the choice, the free will. You know, Absolutely. not making a choice is making a choice. That's true. That's very true. Well, what, you know, I love what you're saying and, and it really resonates with me as well. And I felt this, I felt the same when COVID hit too. And, um, I'm what, you know, what came to mind as you were saying that was, you know, some people may listen to that and they're like, that's amazing. But how do you do that? How do you make that choice? to choose you, you know, in that moment. And it sounded like you got a really very direct message that hit you pretty hard. And, and then you knew there was no other way to go, but you know, right. what, what would most like, cause I think a lot of people are comfortable. They're comfortable with the money and there's all these fears about leaving. Like, even if, like you're saying, you kind of made a lateral move to a different job and it seemed better, but at the same time, it was just the same thing in a different environment with different people. And then, you know, how, how do you, I guess, what advice would you give to people uh, about how to discern between that? Cause that is, that is a huge discernment to make in your life because we can be, I guess it comes down to maybe your heart is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, I imagine deep in there for most of us, if they're like myself, um, there's a belief there that like your passion, your highest excitement, your joy, your passion, 
um, it, it can't support you. Right. So untangling ideas like that. I mean, in all honesty, it's been very bumpy. It's been plenty, plenty of emotions, plenty of ups and downs. Um, but it's like a, a, an amazing roller coaster and the fruits of it have been so, you know, so amazing. I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's like out of all, I'm not a parent yet. I'd like to be, and you are. And it's like, out of all the ups and downs of being a parent, would you not do it? Because of, of all the downs, you know, and how many people right. are restricting themselves or, or staying in their same place, which is okay. You know, because for me, most of the things that moved me, like what happened there was it hurt more to stay than to go into the unknown. Like it, it, the pain was too much to stay put, right? Dr. Payne was there. He was teaching me. He was giving me feedback, telling me it's time to go, right? Because at first, when we get to a spot, we're comfortable. We get to a new level or whatever you call it, you know, which I don't, I don't know if I would look at it as levels. We're just on our own paths. We're equals, right? Levels and levels kind of implies unequals yes. in ways, but without going into all those subtleties, because um, these, this language and these subtleties are, are deeply affecting us. And so, you know, someone looking to move forward or are you acting from pain? Are you acting from love? You know, cause if you can act from love then, and also still have the belief, hold the belief, what is faith to me? Faith requires a bit of uncertainty with certainty, you know, with a hundred percent, like it's just not, it's not completely trusting. It's not faith, right? There needs to be a little bit there, at least for me. Yeah. And do you have faith that you are eternally guided, supported, loved by this great one, by it, by all, by Shiva, by whatever you call it. If you don't have any belief in any of that, well, then you have a lot of other experiences, I imagine, to happen first before you're ready to take action from a place like this, right? right. But as this, like, for me, no one brought spirituality to me. No one brought God to me. This, this came from within. It's my own and everyone, they say a guru doesn't lead them to the guru. They lead them to themselves, right? We, we got to go chant with Krishna Das. Yes. That's what he talked about. He's talked about how the guru leads you to you, right? In the Yogananda doc documentary, we were talking about, or we were listening where the one guy is basically like, said he was like crying, like, because the things that he was saying to him were so harsh, so clear of what he was seeing about him. And, you know, he's like, it was killing him. He was about to cry. And Yogananda said to him, like, basically somewhere along the lines of like, I've given you my un unconditional love. Like, don't pass it up or don't, don't, don't miss it, you know? Right. And, um, but yeah, for people, it's, it's their own path. It's their own journey. Everyone's got their way. And, you know, I think doing it with others, like finding someone else that you resonate with, a teacher, a guide, someone that can a mentor, someone that can just support you along the bumps, you know, but a lot of people have a, a lone wolf story, right? Yeah. And not being supported and not, because that, that would align like, oh yeah, if you don't believe you're supported by the universe, by God, by Shiva, then like, why would you, why would you think you're supported by little old man over here? Right. You know, like yeah. you, so there's just, there's just level uh, layers to it. I would call it layers like a cake. Um, yeah. 
yeah. something along those lines. I think that is the key is to begin to get more comfortable with the unknown, learn how to both trust yourself and feel supported and so that you can receive and be open. Um, I, I, you know, it is a societal norm that giving, giving, giving is what we do and we do, do, do yet there's not much taught about the receiving aspect of life and how to stay open and how that you can give so much more when you receive more. Right. And um, so I really, really love that. That is, um, that's a great uh, kind of view. And these are, yeah. To me, to, to me, the giving, the practicing or the giving the, uh, and receiving again, practice, you know, yeah. people, people like you allowing me, taking me in, sharing your meals with us, sharing your family with us. Like, you know, at some level, I was joking, like usually everyone's got a, a number of days at that like third day or their fourth <laughs> day, they feel guilty or like they've overstayed their welcome of like, what level like can I receive before it gets uncomfortable? Is there a part of me that when someone at dinner pulls out their credit card and says, I got this, everyone, you know, you can say thank you instead of like pull out yours and go, are you sure? Even though the part of you is happy, like, yeah, thank you. Right. And that's a practice. And the same with, um, you know, we talk about the language a lot, you know, a lot of people in the language world and the language is super powerful, but it also must be coherent with the emotions. Right. So like, if I'm saying one thing and feeling another, you know, you could, you could, in a way, I believe, continue saying it. But if you actually understand how to manipulate your body, because it's emitting frequency, it is speaking. Most of our communication isn't through words. It's actually through posture, through body language. It's really actually through frequency, through an energy, right? It's an energy about someone. When I come over and hang out for a week and you're like, I lost time, I, I like... You know, when I was at Salemi's for a week, I'm leaving. I, I'm going to leave. And he goes, it was like a vacation. Like, he, you know, that's just an energy I'm carrying. I'm emitting. Um, and so then we use words and we do things to, to match that. But if I can learn that my body is, and now I can practice saying the words, instilling the new beliefs, I am eternally guided, loved, supported. I am eternally guided, loved, and supported. And I can be with the observance in my body. I can sit versus, you know, and I can be aware of when, when I say one that I don't believe, you'll get a ping. Mm -hmm. Like you will get a something, right? Or you'll try and widget, right? And so even in the, through Tantra, right? Tantra is just a spiritual path at the end of the day, very simply put. It's kind of like the Taoist system, but sl slight differences, but so much the same. It's just a spiritual path and you can use sexuality and sex, but so many people have it mixed up with that mm -hmm. when that's just a simple aspect of life. Therefore, it's a simple aspect of the spiritual path and it can be harnessed and used. Um, yeah. I forgot yeah. where I was going there. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I love that how you're, describing how you can communicate with your body and how we do have a frequency that we we know is there because when someone walks in the room you can feel something good or bad or otherwise and um 
you know, uh, you also probably feel your own energy change, uh, depending on your environment or if you're coming in and uplifting a room and those kinds of things, those are things we do notice, but we rarely acknowledge or talk about. And so there is uh, definitely so much to that, but we, I find that we're starting to learn more about how that works, but I think people for the most part, don't give it too much weight because we consider it something like woo woo, but the body is emitting a frequency, which is, uh, you know, on some on some level, a sound, right? It's a sound frequency that is um, communicating with other other bodies and and communicating and uh, attracting certain things in your life. So it is it is important to pay attention to that. Right. It's speaking to us all the time. And, and to me, we, we both came from the physical world, like in terms of fitness and self-development from the physical realm. And I think that's where it starts for most people. Most people don't show up and say, hey, I want to lose 10 pounds. And then you take 10 pounds off them and they shake your hand and say, thank you. Goodbye. Right. Like right. it starts peeling different layers because then they start getting to, well, what would be different in their life if they lost 10 pounds? And then why do they want that? And then what would be different if they got that? And it goes, oh, maybe there's emotional things here. Oh, there's energy stuff. Like, what the hell is that? And, you know, and, and it just kind of uh, ascends and it connects and, and they're like steps, you know, I don't, I don't meet too many people that started with the emotional. I, I meet most people that started in the physical realm. And once they've changed their physical body, they kind of, there's an empowerment of, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I can actually make shifts here. I can do this. Right. Right. And, but then, then we realize that there's more, no one wants to lose 10 pounds because they want to lose 10 pounds. They want to lose 10 pounds to be happier or healthier, or so the other person likes them more, they can have better sex or whatever it might be, you know, getting to those deeper layers and those roots. Yeah, absolutely. And that translates into everything we come across too, even like our food, our water, how are you taking that into your body? Are you also connecting with the energy of that? Like, you know, without saying, sounding too hippie, um, there is something to be, there is something to blessing your food, blessing your water, which is what we did a lot of while you were there as well. And we continue to do. Um, and I've really made that a practice, even though that sounds like um, it might not be, but I, I really make it a practice now to really be present with even my meal now, because uh, it's so important uh, for me to just do that more consciously. And there's little things you can just integrate just like that. That can be part of your practice as well of learning how to be, learning how to appreciate what's in front of you and those kinds of things. Yes. Yeah. yeah. For me, for me, the appreciation in those practices are, you know, I, I, I meet a lot of people that say they believe the, you know, they say they believe the spiritual stuff. Like we're all connected. <laughs> we're all one. Like we're all just aspects of, of the same thing, just looking at each other and learning about experiencing itself from different perspectives, meaning your food is you eating you right? Yeah, Just from yeah. a different perspective. So to connect to it, to appreciate it. Um, because, you know, so in, in Tantra, we have a practice called transfiguration. It's one of the three pillars of Tantra. 
And transfiguration will often do it first with a partner or with a, another human. Um, and it's eye gazing deep in, right. into them and transfiguring them to see the God or the goddess within them, you know, to see divinity beyond the being, beyond the physical person there and all the stories, but just to see deeply in there. And that's a practice. But then you can start to do that with everything. Uh, Sadhguru was on Joe Rogan talking about it. It seemed to me that he kind of like, like Joe gets it, but also doesn't fully buy it, you know, where he's like, if you understood that you were connected to everything, everything was you, like you won't cut your own finger off, right? Like, it's just like, if someone does, they have a psychological thing going on, but most people like they know better and they'll never cut their finger off on purpose. (laughs) So if you, there would be no like purpose for if every, if everyone had attained this level of understanding and appreciation that they were everything, everything is part of them, you know, and the ego is to be balanced and harmonized and related to in a healthy way to be made your ally for your spiritual pursuit. Your ego is not meant to be killed. Your ego is your point of reference. It's the way you have a relationship to everything in the world, whether it be a book or another human or your own feelings. It's your, you have to have the eye to have a relationship. We have to have that separation. So again, that goes back to this idea of holding two, two concepts at the same time in your consciousness of we're all one and connected and I'm individuated and experiencing from my perspective and keeping a harmony of balance in between those. Right. And so simple things like that can be practices. But if you look at Rumi, and Rumi's, Rumi was transfiguring the entire world all the time. Mm-hmm. He was seeing the beauty, the love, he, the divinity of everything. You know, he'd see, a, he'd see God as the doorknob, <laughs> right? Because that, that was, that's the like really advanced level of the practice. First, it's so much easier to do it with a human, yes. you know? But then when you start to do it with a rock, <laughs> you start to do it with your glasses, like inanimate, it becomes, you know, and that's where then society and culture in certain places, you're, you're a madman, you're crazy, you're cuckoo, but in other places you're not. So it's just like, are you going to allow, you know, cause as you take on these beliefs, the spirit, spiritual journey, the spirit is the spirit within its inspiration in spirit, spirit rising within, right? Are you going to let others outside of you convince you? what to do, what to believe, right? You start having these deep beliefs inside yourself, these almost knowings, these, you know, you can either start to surround yourself and find more people that are also kind of walking, are also walking those lines and exploring these ideas and exploring these experiences, or you can listen to all the noise. That's basically just like a, a, a design fence to keep you in, right? It's like, this life and teachings of the masters of the far East book, it would technically just be like a fantasy or a fiction, but it's, it's written as a documented book. Like, so what's, but it, but if this is taken into today's age and like, we share this with all the kids in the school and we make them believe, you know, we share this idea that this stuff's possible. Like the society is in such a different place with that. Right. And so that's a test. That's a a test of the self of how much you believe in you, how much do you believe in, in the great one? How much you, do you trust this? Do you trust yourself and your guidance system, you know, versus 
that those narratives will come out. And why? Because, you know, why do I need, why do I need the input from others? There's some story there that I don't, there's some story there why I won't trust myself completely. You know, I can ask for help. I receive support from others. And ultimately when I'm not sure, I ask around, I ask questions and I seek more data, but I make my decision and I trust me. And that's a, that's a deep practice. Like I was watching something about fractals mm. and fractals are wildly interesting. I think it was a missing links episode with Gre- Greg Braden. Okay. And he talks about fractals and, uh, and um, how essentially it's like, it's a simple shape. It starts as a simple shape. And then on the edges of it, it keeps repeating and repeating and repeating getting ever more seemingly ever more complex, but ultimately the base is the same and it's super simple. And they believe like, if this is a simulation or what this says is it would be, it would be fractal based. And if it, you know, I'm not communicating, I could find ways or practice more how to communicate the fractal concept. Um, he does it much better. So if you're interested in learning, I, I would look, uh, look up that episode but it's just a metaphor of life too. Like really the root is so simple. Like the root of most of the negative beliefs or limiting beliefs from people is that they're not worthy. They're not worthy of love and that they, they, they need to do something to create value, to be worthy, to be loved. They're not perfect as they are and loved unconditionally and infinitely valuable because they're divinity or a child of God. Right. Right. So if, if, if you rearrange that belief and you embody that and you act from that place, well, you'll find that most of these other limiting beliefs are just surface beliefs that completely fall away. Right. Maybe some people won't be able to see the depth of that belief right away. They may see it as their external circumstances and other things in their life. But as they peel back the layers and assume more responsibility for all of their creation, then we can find one or two or three just major like themes that these dominoes, if you can knock that one over, if you can change your relationship to that domino, it will knock over all the other ones. And then life can transform radically and quickly. Like, you know, the, the more years you're on this planet, I think you, we, we start to think it's, time we're, we're, there's a saying, right? Like where did, where'd the time go? It went by so fast. Right. And it's like, and at the same time, what is that saying that you just weren't present for much of it, that you were just floating in it because the amount of change in life that can happen in three months or six months or 12 months, like radically, you know, I'm radically different, complete, completely different than I was three years ago. And when I left Chicago, left the company, people I worked with, the people, I'm still the same person inside. I still have the same heart, but I'm a lot more, a lot truer to myself and to what I want to do, what excites me, to who I am, you know? And so I look completely different in the root, in the energy. I'm still the same person, you know? They still know me, my being, but um, yeah, but the transformation of everything that is around me my environment, my reality, my life. It's, it's just not even, it's like someone wrote a fantasy book. 
put it around me, you know? So what's possible? You have to believe first that it's possible. If you don't believe that you can transform or that you can, you can't dream yourself into a different situation because most people are focused. We create what we focus upon. Energy flows where attention goes, right? We all know that saying. And so most people are focused on what they want to change in their life. But upon being focused on that, it's great that the awareness gets that I don't like smoking. Smoking is something I want to get rid of. Great. How much time do they just spend focusing on not smoking? Like they're still focused on smoking. They haven't imagined well, what would, you, what would you do with the time without smoking? What would your life be like? You know, they have to, that's where the imagination practice, that's where that as a skill, as a technology comes into play. If you can't dream yourself or, or conceive a new, a new way of being, uh, what would be there if you didn't do this, then you'll keep hanging on to this. You'll keep repeating that because you have no direction. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be be the most accurate, but it has to be a direction to drive the energy. Otherwise, the energy is going to continue looping back in what you're doing. And that's what we call addiction. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. The imagination muscle is real. I mean, that's, that's a great practice in itself is just even to see, to look into how that is for you. Are you having a hard time imagining? Do you need to work on that or, or, you know, play around with that? I should say, because you know, it's more about playing as, and, and tapping into our childlike curiosity around that, what could be possible. And that's why I like that you bring up uh, the book that you brought up with the Ascended Masters and all of these things that really, even the flat earth theory, which I kind of went through the same thing with too. And then now I'm like, huh, it's in, that's an interesting theory. I, I'm going to actually stay open to that because it's kind of interesting. And not that I, you know, not that one it is or it isn't. It's just maybe it's all of it, you know, who knows? But just holding space for all these possibilities all at once, because we, I also believe that uh, the when we're really coming from an ego standpoint, we're in more of a proving and defending mode. And so, I think uh, uh, many of us have been trained that we need to prove that it exists before we believe in it. And, and rarely do we really go into, well, wait, what's possible? Could I start believing in that first, you know, or being at least open to it? So I think that's very valuable as well. Absolutely. The, for me, the, the uh, proving, the proving would, would probably... I imagine for most would, would be rooted all the way back in value yeah. and self-worth. Like why, why do you need to prove anything to anyone to yeah. think what you think or to believe what you believe or to play any game? Like, it's just a game with your mind. Like yes. why, uh, how, why, why does it have to be so much more serious? You know, what's, what's going to happen? Death. Oh, you scared of death. You think that's, are you back to this endedness thing? Are you forgetting your divinity? Are you, contradicting the things you say you believe is a new age spiritual person. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. we can, we can laugh at this. And, and then, yeah, the beauty, like I think comedians are, you know, really tapped into a lot of this stuff, not all, but some, or many, many of the great ones of like, they see the comedy in all this, you know, they say they believe in this, but then they're acting in all these ways. It's like, and if I ask you this question and take you down this rabbit hole, are we going to get to the same place? Like you scared of dying? 
because you don't believe divinity is here. Like you're not divine and you're not eternal. Like your body's mortal. And um, there was a good saying the other day, but I don't have it yet. Maybe it'll come to me. (laughs) But the body's mortal. We're immortal. You know? Yeah, I believe that too. Yeah, I I know. It it is interesting how people, we, we love to explore these, like, know these concepts, I suppose, but when we're actually integrating it, it's, there's not that, that piece yet for some people. And and that's where we were at with, with some of us. We're just practicing it or we're not practicing it and seeing how that turns out, you know? Um, with that, I feel like um, as we've been going through this past couple of years or so, and with all these changes and shifts with people, like the example you gave, it totally, uh, the pandemic totally changed your life because it really made you, you got to make a choice, one that you wanted to uh, follow more so to, to really, um, to listen to more of what you wanted to do and and to listen to yourself. And and that's beautiful. Um, And I also have been hearing a lot that there's two kind of, we're, we're, separating worlds, so to speak. And, and so this new earth is coming and what do you think about all of that? What is your take? Are you, where do you see people going? Do you see more and more people starting to open up to the possibilities? And do you even see like a book like that coming into the schools for kids? I mean, I think that would be wonderful if kids could start out that way. And I almost feel like when you're a kid, you do already have that, that potential, uh, unlimited potential and openness, but then, you know, as we get older, it kind of shuts down. So um, where is your, where are you with where we're going with all this? Do you, is anything, does anything come to you when, when I ask that? Well, you know, for me, all the potentials of the future are possible. It's about what the collective or the majority focus their energy upon. Right. And most yeah. of them will remain on what, what the news is, what's told. And, um, because to me, reality is only here and now the future is an idea and the past is some, some memory that may not even be accurate. Right. And so the practices and everything I'm discussing is actually about realizing heaven here, heaven now, heaven is here, heaven is now. Can you practice seeing that in your life and being that, and then your life will look like heaven. You, you know, there are places, people have communities, there are other types of schools where they're opening kids to these ideas from the beginning. They're not following the mainstream. If you're following the mainstream narrative, you're also conditioned to believe that everyone follows the mainstream narrative. That's what makes (laughs) it the mainstream narrative, right? But that, you know, like when the whole thing began, like it's so, so silly, like COVID freed me. And I think it's freeing a lot of people in their minds. And in their own power, yeah. Do I think do I think that we're going to live in a place where everyone's like perfectly free? And no, like that's not how karma works. That's not the point of all of this. This is what would you learn if we were in heaven? Like in the sense that like everything was equal, everything was perfect. We all just like there wasn't self expression, there wasn't self exploration or individuation, right? There's just oneness. Like we separated from the oneness to learn, to experience. So in terms of like where we're going, I would still challenge and direct the energy into focusing now, focusing that reality now, seeing your heaven here and now, seeing all the kids that are growing with conscious, you know, like how many kids are growing up with conscious parents 
like versus 15 years ago. So much more like there's community in Austin and other cities around the U S and meeting people like ourselves that share these values. And then they're raising their families together. They're raising in communities or putting their, the the realities already exist. It's just putting the attention upon it. It's just focusing upon it and allowing yourself to be in it. Cause at first it's going to be different from all of your conditioned beliefs and what you're taught. And it's a slow breaking. If you watch Joseph Campbell's documentary, Finding Joe, and he talks about the golden Buddha metaphor, where it's like they encased the golden Buddha in cement to hide it. And that's basically everybody after they go through childhood, they're encased in in cement. And then a trauma, a divorce, things happen that break away the the cement and then you see the gold underneath and then the whole process just becomes about pulling the cement off mm. so that you can shine the gold right and so to me it's it's this process of it's here now it's already here now all of this stuff that you think we're going that's kind of an endedness thing like what's going to happen when we get there what will <laughs> right. be different when we get there you know it's like exercising to get to something to get to 10 pounds less like that's great but then what where are you going to go and what's what if the whole point of this, when you left the body what, and remembered everything, what was, what if the whole point was just like your, your, your only job was to experience all of it mm. and everyone's busy finding their purpose and doing all this other shit, not experiencing their moments in the present because they're concerned with finding their purpose. Even what if the purpose was to fucking experience the moment? <laughs> like, what if that was the purpose of this thing? Yeah. To be to be an aspect of God experiencing itself from different aspects, individuating, exploring every possibility. So what's the job of each possibility? To experience it, to take in the information, to understand it. Yeah. That's it. And so it's it's this and and how do you be present? We're not really present in our mind. So when I'm busy trying to like understand something, you know, it's like throwing a frisbee. If I'm wasting my time, like I'm I don't want to call it wasting time, but like my throwing the Frisbee, like I'm busy throwing the Frisbee or am I spending my time thinking about like, okay, twist and uh, plant the foot here. And like, you know, like maybe in between a throw or two, I just kind of think about something for just a second, like take in a detail. But if I spend all my time thinking about throwing the Frisbee, then I'm never actually going to throw the Frisbee very well. And how much of life people are doing that they're busy thinking about life. They're trying to, make sense of it. Their consciousness is very centered in their mind and not in their heart. And we, we want those two organs to be in coherence, to act together, right? That's when I talk about the feelings and the words matching and practicing that in your body by breathing, (sighs) exhaling, saying the word, seeing how your body responds to it and ingraining that in there. And then the, isn't that what embodied means? It's in body. Yeah. The belief is in body. What does it mean? It's in my body. It's in my nervous system. Mm-hmm. It's a true, it's an accuracy. It's love in my nervous system. If love as a kid was chaos, then to my nervous system, I'm going to create chaos in my life because that's love. Yeah. And why? Because I've embodied chaos as love. And at the end of the day, like we said about the fractal of the simplicity, well, the techniques are quite simple. When I look at yoga, I continue to laugh. I'm like, son of a bitch. They've had this fucking shit in this book forever. You know, they got so many great techniques. And, you know, 
to me, it's also about finding the techniques that resonate for you. There's different systems with different techniques, all doing kind of the same thing. I would say actually the same thing if you can kind of, if you can see the overlap in there. I would say that they're actually teaching the same thing, just slightly different techniques. Um, like like let's say like um, like tantric sex and mm-hmm. sublimating the energy, moving the energy to higher levels of consciousness, to the heart, to the throat, to the third eye, into union. Whereas the Montak Chia Taoist system is teaching the same thing, but he's teaching more of a circulation. He's teaching it something slightly different, but learning to see all of like all of the wisdoms there, the knowledge that we need, the techniques are there. The bummer about it for most people is that it, it requires effort and internalization, it requires going inside and practicing and, in, and effort requires effort. You know, you can't watch something like a documentary, a book. They're there for inspiration. They're there to bring the spirit up within you. But then you have to allow it to continue. Like you have to allow the spirit to express through you. Yeah. And that's where the doing comes from. Exactly. Yeah. I call it inspired action. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you, Nika. This has been amazing. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't expect anything other than just amazing with you. So thank you so much. And I'm so grateful that you and Liam got connected and you helped him so much as well. And, and, you know, it's your friendship with him has been amazing too. And, um, so yeah, thank you so much for coming on and, um, please share with my audience, any offerings you want to share that you have coming up or anything you'd like to share about, um, what you're doing right now. Yeah. Let's see. Um, as far as me individually, there are some, uh, well, no planned experiences yet. Can always coordinate and plan an experience as I'm passing through a city, even with just a small group of people for a day. So if anyone's interested in that, they can reach out. Maybe they have a handful of people in their area and I can travel there and facilitate the experience. We didn't um, even talk about the family constellations, but you offer that as well. And um, you and I you. talked about doing something here at some point, but that would be another thing that, uh, you know, it's, that's an, an amazing experience in itself. But um, yeah, I just wanted to add that in yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's uh family constellations, super powerful work. So facilitating family constellations, wherever my partner and I are passing through, um, I'm not as comfortable doing it online yet. I know it can be done online, but I prefer in person, um, can cultivate a couple experiences in person with small groups, cacao ceremonies. Um, you know, I'd say it's guided visualization, but it's just, it's an experience and I use specific tools and, um, doing much of it or most can do all of it without psychedelics. Um, I do one-on-one work, just coaching, mentor, uh, developing vision, providing support and integrating their experiences and taking in some of these bigger shifts in life and, um, doing my best to just reflect to them through my experience. And, and if I resonate with them, then that's, that's maybe a match for a teacher, but we would have a conversation first to see if, if it is a match and if there are ways I can support and guide and, help you through your transition, you know, in a way I, uh, like I work with death, right. Mm -hmm. In the sense of the dark, like, um, death is just transformation. Right. And we, we want to be willing to look into the dark 
and to illuminate it, to bring it to the surface and then to make decisions around it. Right. So first it's unconscious. Someone can trigger something or bring it up to the subconscious and we can start to create awareness around it. We start to become more conscious of it. It's kind of like a sliding scale in my, my idea. And, and then the more I'm aware of it, the more I can make choices understanding that. And that's when something goes from unconscious to subconscious to conscious, right? So guiding them in that process, that's finding where their blockages are in life. Cause I'm not there to fix their life or do anything. Um, in a way, if I, like, I see a shaman is not a healer that the natural flow of love and life heals you. The body heals itself. The only thing that happens is we get stuff stuck. You know, our prana, our chi, it's not flowing properly. We get blockages on purpose, right? All by design, all perfect. But a shaman is someone that removes the blockages or supports you in removing them, right? And so in that way, that's what I do. Or you can see it as a doula or a sherpa or whatever word works for people. So we have one-on-one stuff. We have small group um, small group experiences, also with integration, if they'd like after family constellations, um, my partner and I will be putting together some more basics upon Tantra, Tantric sex and relationship and how to utilize all that and to integrate that into your spiritual life and into your partnership and bringing, bringing more there. There's a lot more to access. I think the partner for the intimate partner is the greatest mirror, the closest mirror that you're going to get. And, um, and they're going to, cause they're going to bring up the shit, the, the quickest, the yes. deepest. And, um, and then my partner has some other offerings they can see through, through our link tree on my Instagram or hers or the totality tantric Academy Instagram. So the, the Academy, the, and teaching the Tantra is just in its beginning stages as I'm going through my experiences the last few years and learning the language to communicate. Um, but if any of those things interest them, um, we also will be putting together, it's looking like we were thinking beginning of December, but after discussing with a handful of potential people that want to attend, it's mm-hmm. a typical time to travel to Mexico. But in the southern coast of Oaxaca, where we stay, uh, we will be putting on a couple's retreat uh, for Tantra um, for four days. And then if they so choose, there's a three extra days possible where on the fifth day, we'd sit in a private overnight peyote ceremony with, with someone that I work with very closely. And I'd be working myself and the shaman would be working with everyone through the ceremony that night. And then we'd have two days of integration and connection, relaxing by a pool in the ocean. That so, nice. so kind of integrating uh, or combining, um, you know, a tantric relationship retreat, uh, with a little healing ceremony at the end, and then just integration, vacation, relaxation. That sounds wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Nico. And um, thank you. Yeah. Um, there's one other thing I was going to say, but now it just slipped my mind. Oh, um, well, yeah. Thank you. And, and uh, oh, I'll see you in Sedona. I'll see you in Sedona. Yes. And I'm looking forward to that too. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, until next time, friend. <laughs> Appreciate you. Love you. Thank I you. Love you too. It was exciting. <laughs> Take care.
Thanks so much for listening to Integrate Yourself today. You can find my book, Finally Thriving, at finallythrivingbook.com. Finally and you can also purchase the audiobook if you're a member of Audible. And then if you go to my website, there's a lot of other ways to purchase my audiobook there too. If you'd like to participate in the next Finally Thriving course and coaching, 12-week course and coaching group, which is doing fantastic, by the way. I'm enjoying this group so much. We start again in January 2023. So if you're interested, go ahead and email me at allisonpillow at gmail.com. You can contact me through my website, allisonpillow.com. And I'll also provide a link where you can apply to the program online as well. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Until next time, I'll talk to you all again soon.